It's so simple. <laughs> Even I could do it. <laughs> that was the most oh. awkward, long, <laughs> sprawled out tip. <laughs> do you want me to do it again from the beginning? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it works. Are I think you, it's fine. Okay, you sure? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Okay. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 66. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. Today we are talking about life after quarantine. This too shall pass. As we continue to meet the struggles and challenges of lives in the midst of the coronavirus, we may have said this mantra to ourselves and to each other. But when it does pass, what will life look like? Many of us are asking ourselves this very question. And it warrants an honest and thorough thought. But first, if you enjoy this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your review can help our little podcast stand out so that others may find us too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out is another Wayback Review from this time last year and goes to Hrvatska Love. And she said, quote, I love this podcast. It is everything I've ever wanted in a homemaking podcast. These ladies have grace and inspire me to be a better lady. As an introvert, I am especially inspired to start hosting more in my home and offering hospitality to our friends and family. I would recommend this podcast to any lady in our modern age, end quote. Well, thank you so much for your kind words last year. We really appreciate you taking the time to review the podcast as we were just starting up. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. So Michelle, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not the type of person that thoroughly cleans her produce when she gets home from the grocery store. And I know that this is the absolute worst time to admit that on our podcast. I have been doing it lately, I will say, but yeah, um, I'm one of those people that just happens to trust the packages of lettuce when they say it's already been washed three times. Now, this being said, I am not pretending to think that my lax attitude is the right way because the truth is 48 million people get sick each and every year from food contamination. So I decided to do, yeah, a little research into the best method for cleaning produce. And here it is. Now, are you ready for this? This is the absolute best method you can use to clean your produce. It's water. It's just water. (laughs) I read reports from the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, and many articles from reputable news sources. And all of them agreed that while we could purchase specific produce cleaning products, there just isn't the science there to back up their claims that they really do clean the produce any more effectively than plain old water. Now, while it doesn't hurt to use these products, or as some people prefer, using vinegar, the best practice for cleaning your produce is just starting with your own clean hands. Also, they said that you're not supposed to wash the fruits and vegetables right when you bring them home. You should wait to the minutes before you eat it or cook it. But start with your own clean hands, wash those with warm soapy water for at least 20 seconds, and then you can wash your fruits and vegetables. 
even if it has a peelable skin on it like bananas. If you feel the need to clean them a little bit more, you could add four tablespoons of baking soda to the cold water and scrub with a veggie scrubber or one of those potato scrubbers. But just dry them with a paper towel and you're good to go. So actually, this has made me feel a little bit better at my attempts at cleaning fruits and vegetables in my house. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. <laughs> Do people wash their bananas? <laughs> I did it. Oh, right? Okay. <laughs> I've never washed a banana. <laughs> Now you sh- we probably should. Yeah, I thought I was good, but now I'm not so sure. I'm not confident in making that claim anymore after this tip. Well, all you need is water, though, so you don't have to worry about going out and buying anything special. Throughout history, there have been major events that have propelled society forward. Progress is made, for better and for worse, and humanity comes out of it changed. We can acknowledge that we may very well be living through such a time. And so this begs the question, what sort of a change will this time inspire in us and in our generation? It's hard to step back and realize we are living in that time, but everybody keeps telling us that we're living in this time, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it's time we step back and take stock and realize that this is one of those critical moments. And so you and I were discussing earlier um, different periods throughout recent history. I mean, we could go back a long way and, and, and stuff, but there's been some more recent things that really propelled Western civilization forward in the name of progress and modern uh, modernity, right? And mm-hmm. so I'm talking the French Revolution, the Industrial Revolution, the World Wars, the Great Depression, the Vietnam War, the Sexual Revolution, all Mm -hmm. of these things, whether they were imposed upon us or not, they were then marketed towards the people as a way forward. Let's come out of this. Let's rise up. And you know, it's this chance to get rid of the old ways, the dark ages, push it all behind us. Let's be a more Mm -hmm. forward thinking modern people. And Mm -hmm. The truth is, uh, you and I, and I think a lot of our listeners can stand here as being the products of that going, you know what, that didn't really work, actually. <laughs> the, yes, the, the efforts <laughs> at progress and, and modernity didn't really make us better as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a values perspective, for sure. And one of the uh, ways that you can really see this is, you know, I've actually been really surprised pleasantly with how fast a lot of us um, have kind of embraced the complete 180 that this time of quarantine has brought, right? Yeah. So, like, obviously, we it comes with its own difficulties, of course. And I know I'm still struggling through parts of it myself. But, like, as a whole, as humanity, and we have the technology and social media to be able to see it happening in everyone's individual lives and houses. It's been a really interesting social experiment and conversation about like, what are you going to keep from this time? What are you not going to add back in? And I'm just surprised how fast that happened. Like it was almost, almost immediately, right? It's the first thing that I think out of that long list that I read of, of things that have happened to a large group of the world or a lot of us that actually Mm -hmm. pushed us backwards a little bit. Like what you're saying, the way that we're seeing everybody Mm -hmm. living is a very traditional way. And I think what you're also saying, and I think what a lot of us can agree on is we're, we're seeing a lot of families kind of thriving, aren't we? And, and we're not minimizing the stress of this. It's been hugely stressful, um, especially for our mom listeners who are home with little kids. We're not minimizing that. 
But I Mm -hmm. think that if we're really in this great period of historical change right now, if we can step outside of ourselves and our own current emotions, I think that what we can agree on is that there are some really great benefits that are coming out of this for our children and for our families. And so Mm -hmm. what we're proposing is just something completely radical here, right, Michelle? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) prepare yourselves. (laughs) Yes, everybody. What we're saying, and again, we're not historians, but if you look at all of those previous generations, it each step of those separated the family more and more, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it put the emphasis on self and it made us became, become quite selfish. And so what we're seeing now is we're having to put others first, which is why we're staying Mm -hmm. home, right? This whole act of staying home is about putting others before us and their health and safety. And then because we're all home, man, we're with our families 24 hours a day right now. And (laughs) this is how it was for most of human history. And whether or not we're liking it, I think a lot of our kids are really loving it. And so I think this is where we want to explore today, you and I, some Mm -hmm. of the good things that we're seeing coming out of this and, and that we're seeing in our own families. And also some of you have messaged me and told me some of the good things that you're seeing in it and that things that you want to continue on after this is over. Yeah. And you know what? I was reading along with some of those comments as well on your Facebook page. Um, Before we get into that, though, I want to kind of pull back to the history a little bit. Mm. Um, I know, obviously, we're big fans of history. We read a lot of history, listen to a lot of history. And I'm reading right now a book called The Benedict Option. Yes. Um, Yeah. It and it's so good. I mean, it's it's several years old now, so I'm late to the game. But um, I've I really love the second chapter. It talks. It goes through century after century, and it really illustrates. This is more of a religious concept, but it has parallels here of how um, each century brought with it a drifting further and further away from these traditional values that we're talking about here. Starting even with like he starts at the medieval times Mm. and talking about how that time the philosopher Charles Taylor described it as like an enchanted world. So not enchanting maybe necessarily in a lot of areas, but (laughs) (laughs) enchanted in the sense that like the divine was far more present to them in their daily lives. And so the family, the work, the church, Everything was so intermingled that you couldn't really separate any of the three from one another. And as the centuries go on and we see the rise of even back then, like nominalism, which is like we give things their meanings versus a recognition that God gives things their values. Um, Realism starting to pervade humanity um, and leading into the next centuries. We can see how little bit by little bit it's started to unravel until we get to 2020. Yeah. And we're not saying that some of these things weren't great changes. There were great things that came out of the enlightenment, you know, and the Renaissance and, and the industrial revolution. But what we're saying Mm -hmm. is that there was obvious breakdown of relationships, um, relationships within marriage relationships, even, you know, within our girlfriends and our friends and the way men interacted with each other and our relationships with our children and our relationships with our elders, right. And our extended families living together. Something that's big. Yeah, you and I were really struck by this article in the Atlantic magazine about the the nuclear family. 
And Mm -hmm. a lot of people like to point to the demise of the nuclear family happening in the late 60s, right? With the sexual revolution and the Mm -hmm. Vietnam War and and drug use and all those kinds of things. But this article proposed that it actually started in the late 1800s. And then we stumbled across a video, you and I, right? From the Uh 1950s that was saying the same thing, that it actually started at the time of the Industrial Revolution. And if, if you think about having... Most families, 99% of families were agricultural and they lived all mm-hmm. together, multi-generationally. You guys all know this, our listeners. We don't need to do a full history lesson here, but that's how they all lived. It was, it, they actually, what did they call it? Um, um, the family corporation or something like that, oh, where they all worked yes. together. Remember, they would have some of them mm-hmm. running like a little bit of a produce store or a mill where they would like generate and sell the product that was sold on the farm. The other people would be making it. They worked like a corporation. Well, when the Mm -hmm. industrial revolution happened, boom, there go the farms. And you have, if you were going to work, if you were going to be the 21 year old son and you needed to make some money, you moved into the city and there started Mm -hmm. the first fracturing of the family. And then he would get married there and they would start there. And it just, just splintered further and further and further. And then each of these things just contributed to that. As we were saying, the world wars, Mm -hmm. the great depression where people had to pack up and move across the dust bowl to try to start new lives. And then we had these massive shifts in morality and the way we looked at God and the self and family through the Vietnam War and the sexual revolution. And what that Atlantic article was talking about was that all of these things, it was a moving away from the communal and from the family into the self, into selfishness. And what we've seen and what we're saying is that this pandemic has pushed us back into being the least selfish we can be right now, right? It's all about... Mm -hmm pouring ourselves out to serve everybody else, which is maybe something you and I've actually talked about for the last two years on this podcast. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We've really kind of fallen into a culture of living for ourselves. Right. And the consequences are only as important as much as they don't interfere with our happiness, our comfort and our entertainment. Like, I think we were still willing to help out and do that, but it was always like through a lens of if I can get to it, if I have time, if I have, you know, if I, if I, if I, as opposed to now, you're right, like it kind of has shifted priorities mm-hmm. in a way, like um, in, in addition to having so much taken off of our plates <laughs> at this time and the addition of such great need, yeah, we have been kind of forced to step back and reevaluate and right, like what we're going to start getting into now is just this new realization, this new consideration of the things and the people that really do matter, that matter now and will hopefully continue to matter when this is done. That's right. And so this is what we're saying. And so we want to make this radical declaration that if Mm. you are seeing this as working in your life, that this going backwards a bit, backwards to a quieter life, to a life rooted in time, honored and time tested values. If you see that your children are thriving in this and you see that you're spending more time with your spouse, um, we're saying, keep it going. Like, why are, Mm. why do we have to go back to our old ways in all of the ways when this is over? And so again, we talked to some of our listeners and some friends and we looked at our own lives and we have found that there are, um, quite a few people who have decided to come out of this quarantine changed and allowing this process to change them in good ways. And so they're going to make some, some big changes in their their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really rooted, like these tangible things that um, people are sharing with us and that we'll share. Uh, they're really rooted in 
like what we're talking about, these intangibles um, to consider, right? Like, I, I can't think of a time when generosity was just so prevalent. Generosity, right? Like, and so creative, too. Yeah, um, creative, Have you heard of the sure. pa- past the pizza? No. Trend? I don't know if this is maybe just where I'm living right now, but um, every day I see posts on Facebook from our area where people are just buying, sometimes anonymously, but they're sending pizza to people for dinner, right? And so they call it pass the pizza because then those people are saying, okay, we'll return the favor and we'll pass the pizza tomorrow night. Um, And I was like, oh my goodness, I love that. I love love that train. Yeah. Have you seen the the dress up contest for garbage night where you dress up in your craziest costume (laughs) to bring your garbage out? (laughs) I I do love that. One of us owns a T-Rex costume. It's me. Um... I've been telling you to dust that thing off this entire quarantine. Yes. I'm, I'm, I don't know why you haven't yet. It'll, ha- it'll happen. Don't worry. But yeah, like there's these, um, the ways that we're being creative. And this is what you and I were talking about with last week's episode about bringing beauty back into the home. I'm still constantly mm. amazed every day at the creativity that I'm seeing coming out of people's houses. And people are loving it too. Like they're also sitting right. back going, I didn't know I was capable of this. I didn't know I could homeschool or that I could break bake bread sourdough mm-hmm. or that I could, um, you know, live a more liturgical <laughs> life at home. You caught it. You caught the sourdough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> three <weeks. laughs> yep. Um, so I think that we're surprising ourselves. It's that old saying that you never know how strong you are until you have to be, right? And so again, mm-hmm. I think some of the okay, first of all, let's go back to the cooking and the bread and the pizza thing, but just this idea of family meals. This is the most common thing that everybody has been saying to me. They are sitting and mm-hmm. eating together, they're cooking at home, aside from that nice pizza night. That sounds awesome awesome. Um, but people, mm-hmm. everybody, for the most part, they're saving way more money than they ever thought they spent eating out. Right. We're all getting a little right. bit surprised at just how many times yeah. we went to Tim Hortons <laughs> during the week. And, mm-hmm. um, so people are like, that's weird. I can make coffee at home. And, um, <laughs> right. And so it's, that's the, that's the biggest thing I've been hearing from everybody is this idea of food and the return to the dinner table and the return to cooking. My mother, I'll give her a shout out. My mom is learning how to cook and big. My mom made a pavlova and her own lemon curd. My mom, my mom doesn't do that stuff. She's so proud of herself and I'm so proud of her. And so just this feeling of, you know, you're seeing a bunch of pretty happy families walking around and out eating better than ever. Mm -hmm. And do you know what kind of contributes to that too, is I think that this push to be healthier, yeah, right? Like, uh, because it is a a virus, we're all a little bit more wary or a a little bit more uh, wanting to up our immune systems and be stronger and more healthful. And one of the best ways to do that is to eat good food and to cook it ourselves, right? So um, that is so fascinating, just this uh, return of focus on just food and the family dinner table and all the little offshoots that come with it. And speaking of being healthier, um, everybody's out walking, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point oh, where yeah. it's, it's becoming a Several bit of a problem. A yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I've never, did you see that meme? My favorite thing is families without quarantine and they're all at home on their screens. And then it says families during quarantine where we're supposed to be locked down and everybody's outside. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
<laughs> so I can laugh at that because honestly, I'm so glad that I'm seeing so many families. We did a nighttime walk mm-hmm. last night in the pitch black um, and nobody was oh, outside and the kids loved it. Like it was like the yes. most exciting thing we've done in weeks. So just take your kids out when it's dark out. And, but yeah, just like you're saying with the health and the focus on health, I think a lot of families are going to keep this idea of daily family walks and bike rides. Um, it's something we just suck at in my house, but it's something that we're, so we've discovered all these trails near our house, right? Near our mm. actual, like five minutes from our actual house. And we lived here <laughs> for eight years that we didn't know were there. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed oh, wow. to say it took us this long, but I'm never going to forget about these trails now. Well, speaking of things that we're embarrassed to admit, it's taken mm-hmm. us so long to notice near our house. I'm talking to my neighbors mm. so much more often, right? Like actually calling my neighbor yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, getting to know her a little bit on, on the one side of our house, we have uh, an older lady who lives alone. Yeah. Right. And so even just, you know, she brought us brownies the other day. Aww. She called me and she's like, I don't know if you guys eat such things. And I was like, we most certainly do eat <laughs> such things. <laughs> Thank you. Bring them over. Um, you know, and then like uh, just this back to neighborly living as well. Yes. I see that happening on mass. And I was like, I really, really love that, too. Yeah. And you know, speaking of that leads me right into the next thing. So like you're talking about like neighborly living, we're going small again, right? It's this return mm-hmm. to the small community. And so the other thing a lot of people are talking about, and I think one of the big things I'm taking away from this is supporting local business. Again, I've always been a yes. big fan of that, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of us should be paying very close attention to our local businesses right now and how they're conducting themselves. So many of them are bending over backwards to still mm-hmm. meet your needs, right? Are driving things out to your house or delivering the things yourself, like themselves, wrapping gifts up beautifully for people who still need a birthday present. They are mm-hmm. doing so much to try to keep their businesses afloat so that they can re-employ people within our communities once everything gets back to normal. And so I think within my house, we are just itching to get back out shopping in the little businesses and the little restaurants all throughout our, our wonderful city. Oh, for sure. Phil and I have talked about this too, that because we're not on the road as much yeah. and we're not as we're not uh, tempted to spend money on things without thinking about it, without intention as yeah, much. Exactly. Yes. Um, we're starting to, you know, think, you know, well, let's order in tonight because we we actually almost never did that before. Yeah. Um, in quarantine, uh, before the quarantine. And now we're thinking, well, this is a really great time to see what businesses are still, you know, trying to stay open and really try to intentionally go after those businesses and support them and give us, give them our patronage to make sure that they're still there when, when all of this is done, like you were saying. And so they can build back up our economy, our local economies. Absolutely. um, so we hear about the fed, the national economies all the time too, but in a real, in a very real, tangible, looking at right in your face kind of a way, there are people, our neighbors, yeah. who own the little shops, and they need our support. I think you're right, and I you use the word intentional, and I think that that's what a lot of people are really feeling is that we, in moments like this in our history and in our lives, we when things are kind of life and death, not for me and not for Mm -hmm. you, but for many people, it's been a very scary time. And so we can't just come out of this lightly, right? We're going to come out of Mm -hmm. it, hopefully being more intentional about every area of our life. Another one of those for me, and I think for a lot of people is intentionally communicating more with your extended family. 
Um, mm. You know, it's, I have been putting off doing the drive out to see my grandmother because it's several hours away from us. I'm not putting that off anymore. The minute we're done <clears throat> out of this, I'm going down to see my grandma. And I was talking to another friend and I said, you know what? I am done trying to decorate my house and waste money on that stuff. My money is going into making new memories and visiting with friends and family after this. And so mm -hmm. it's just really being intentional about nurturing and fostering our friendships and our relationships, because when those are taken from you right now in our normal way, yes. right? Um, right. It hurts. And so that is mm -hmm. definitely something that a lot of us, me included, are going to take from this experience. Right. And that really leads to a sense of gratitude, right? Yeah. Like being grateful for the people and what they do. I'm just learning like how very little I earn mm. in my life and how, how so much is just given as a gift, right? From other people, from God, like the gratitude has really um, increased. You're right. I think that there's a, another meme going around about recognition, you know, for all the work that the farmers are doing and, and grocery store employees and that kind of thing. But what we're learning, like what you're saying is that we're having a greater um, recognition as a whole for all of, all of those who really actually do contribute to our societies versus maybe the cult of celebrity, right? That we've been mm -hmm. so focused on in previous generations. And I think a lot of us are moving forward and just really being able to see and appreciate all those who are really working hard around us. That has been a really interesting thing to watch, hasn't it? Yeah. Like <laughs> the whole celebrity versus recognizing society's real heroes yeah. and seeing that distinction just really turn on its head. That's been really fascinating to watch. And it just kind of, it reminds me of a homily I heard last Sunday. We tuned into um, Father Mike Schmitz mm -hmm. to hear his homily last Sunday. And he talks about how, like, with the early Christians, and we talked last week about mm -hmm. St. Paul, um, that everything that we hold on to for security, um, that brings power or prestige or money, that just gives us a sense that we're safe and secure. Yeah. That was everything that the early Christians lay at the feet of the apostles, mm -hmm. right? Once they were baptized, they gave it. They gave oh. it all away <laughs> because their trust was in something uh, much greater than the right. tangible things that we have. And I've been really reflecting on that ever since uh, seeing that movie, then hearing his homily and looking at the values uh, that we want to get back to after the pandemic. I'm like, yes, what have I been holding on to um, that denotes a lack of trust that kind of um, been holding on to for the wrong reasons? Right. And can I let that go for something greater? Because it's a massive wake-up call to realize how quickly everything can be taken away. We've always heard that, mm -hmm. but we've never experienced mm -hmm. that in our generation. And we're still saying this as people who are in our nice, safe homes with our internet and our Netflix right. and our food, you <laughs> know, but it's still, if anything, this should shake us up and have us see, yeah, what we're holding on to, what we're hesitant to give up. Again, that idea of being attached to the things of proper virtue and of value and de detached from the appetites of this world. We don't need to be attached to the things of this world in the way that we have been. And so this is a big wake up, you know, wake up, shake up for that. Mm -hmm, um, yes. <laughs> the last thing that my family, and again, a lot of our listeners told me that they've really started doing and they're really enjoying is, and your family's already really good at this, but we're new to this, is the family game time. 
right? And board games. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And I heard that board games and craft supplies are sold out of a lot of the Walmarts all around and a lot of the Michaels stores. It's really, really hard to buy those. And people are like, praise be to God, honestly, like families are yes. playing games together for the first time mm-hmm. in a really long time. And so we've started doing that. I'm trying to like games. <laughs> I'm starting to like games and yeah, mm. it's, this is one thing again, that families are, are really, I hope all of us are going to walk away from this, maybe making that family game night a, a weekly thing. Oh yes. Game nights. I'm so happy with the game nights and the development of playing games as well, because we try with game nights, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Okay. My kids are still very young. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want anyone getting any wrong ideas of no like idyllic (laughs) game times happening at my house. Um, uh, But we do try. We always have tried. You're right. Uh, What I really love though too is just this recognition of like what are the different kinds of games we can play? What kind of games can we play across technology with technology even? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be traditional games either, right? Right. Although those are always great, like classic games, you can't beat them. Um, Cards. So I've been teaching my kids how to play solitaire Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking if you can count... Then all you need is a deck of cards. First of all, hashtag math class. There you go. Got you covered. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also to like, um, then all you need is a deck of cards. You have a game. You can play it. You don't need someone else um, all the time. There you go. Uh, We just played Jackbox games, me and my immediate family, the other night. That was played across. Okay. It's played across Zoom. Okay. And there's like one that's trivia, one that was kind of like... um, it's a game that I know from my childhood called You Don't Know Jack. Oh, I love um, You Don't Know Jack. I'm so oh, good at okay. You Don't Know Jack. I'm so oh, good at well, that then, game. <laughs> then we will have to play Jackbox games oh, because this was like that, except we come up with the answers and you okay. have to choose between. Anyhow, they were so fun. We laughed so hard and it felt so good that mm. night to play games and laugh with my mom and my dad and my sister and brother, which we don't often get the chance to do often even like during normal times. Yeah. Right. So that was great. And then the last thing um, I saw on once again, everyday readings blog, (laughs) I do read her blog all the time, but she had this great game called house on fire. And all you need is two dice. Every player needs two dice. You can play it um, with as many people as you need to. It requires no exchanging of game pieces. So we've played it with like my niece over Zoom um, from our own homes and stuff. And it's basically you're trying to build a house based on what you roll on the dice. It's very, very simple. And uh, games really, really help with keeping the connection going because sometimes you run out of things that you want to talk about and Mm. say, but you still need to see the people. You still need to make that connection with people. And so you don't have to come up with conversation necessarily, but you can still keep what is important and that is connectivity with other people. And so what we're saying here is that despite all of the challenges and the very real stress and worry that has come with this pandemic, like with everything, there are gifts. There are actual gifts in this too for our families. And what we're asking you is to really step back now and take time and consider how is your family faring overall? Not just what you're feeling in this moment, you know, if you're having a bad day, but really step back and think, Hey, are we thriving here or what's working in my marriage? Or is this actually helping my relationship with my parents? Or, you know, is this making me be a better community member? 
and just see what good is coming out of this and then make the decision to go forth from this pandemic, still doing those things. We again, want to make this radical suggestion that instead of always feeling like we need to push forward in the name of modernity, right? Always pushing Mm -hmm. forward, being so progressive that maybe it's time we actually do some steps back and we like, I think the world has put upon us right now. And so we take a few more steps back, but we do it this time voluntarily, not just because it's been imposed upon us, because we want to say back to the world that this is working, that family time works, that quiet time works, that family dinners still work. And that, you know, being more local and smaller with our communities, it works. And so we're hoping that you maybe want to be a voice in that too. Enjoy Michelle and I and choosing to go forward with that message. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? A few weeks ago, I finished reading Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, which was written in 1931. Now, like many of you, I read it and by reading it, I mean, I skimmed it enough so I could answer the questions in class when I was in high school, but (laughs) didn't really pay attention to it because I do believe it's part of the grade 10 or grade 11 English curriculum um, in many, many schools. And that shocked me reading it now as an adult because the content is very adult. So I'll just give you a heads up on that. Mm. Um, But I am really glad I revisited it. You know, you know, I'm working my way through the top 100 books you need to read before you die or the top 100 Mm -hmm. classics. And this one always pops up. And it was one that I would just check off saying, yeah, yeah, I read it. But no, I read it like. 25 years ago. And so I realized I didn't know anything about that book. So let me just say, it's one of those books from high school that I'm glad I picked back up. I read through right now. It's very interesting to read with the knowledge of how the world changed after it was written in 1931. And Mm. it's, and on top of all of that, because it is a very timely book, right? For the kind of dystopian life we're living right now. But on top of that, it's beautifully written. Like it's absolutely Mm. beautifully written. And it ends with this conversation. That's one of the most powerful conversations between two characters in a book I've ever read. So, and there's a brand, I didn't even know this. There is a brand new TV show being filmed with Demi Moore um, of it. And it already looks... I don't think I'll be able to watch it. Looks pretty inappropriate, but this book I didn't realize is on a lot of people's radar right now. So let me recommend again, Brave New World. Oh, that is so interesting. I know you've told me that I need to read it. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I'll load it. I'll load it on my (laughs) e-reader. I'll get on it. (laughs) So what have you been loving this week? Okay, so we are very nearly done a season of a show on Netflix, a new new show called Mm. The English Game. Have oh, you yes. seen this one? Uh, we started with the first two minutes and then Jason's like, is this about, <laughs> um, cr- is it cricket? No, it's rugby, cricket, soccer. I don't know. Soccer. And I it's said soccer. it's about a sport. And then he said, turn it off. So that's as far as we got. <laughs> no, no, no. And I will tell you why no. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it is, yeah. It's a historical series, if you haven't heard of it before, uh, about how the game of soccer, um, sorry, football right. was developed <laughs> in England. Um, now, like you, I've only ever been moderately interested in soccer at best. Yeah. <laughs> this show, though, it, it is really fantastic because besides being a show on the history of the game itself, there's also so much alluding to like the class relations of the time, 
struggles that the everyday people, both rich and poor, um, faced the economy of the time. So in that sense, it reminds me a little bit of North and South Mm -hmm. with the cotton mills playing a really pivotal role in all the drama, which is really interesting. It's really beautifully done. And I watched all the way through to the credits at the end of the first episode. And I was like, well, there you go. Written and created by Julian Fellows. I thought so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you have it. So uh, if you don't know who Julian Fellows is, you may be familiar with Downton Abbey. Um, He created that show as well. And he also created a new series that I do have to check out. It's on my to watch list, which is Belgravia, which I think is also on Netflix. So in any case, it's not just a game about soccer. In fact, it would be more about like the regulations surrounding soccer and how they kind of um, made it an actual sport as opposed to just something like people kicking a ball around, how they came <laughs> up with the rules uh, and things like that and how class weighed really heavily in that. So that's my recommendation. The English Game, you can watch that on Netflix right now. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.